Welcome to System Mastery. I'm Jeff, and I'm a butt, and I like butts, and I smell like a butt. This month, we're doing a couple of things. Horrortoberfest, and letting John write the first sentence of my intros. Today, we take a look at a game that existed for a year in 1986. The spookish comedy offering from West End Games, Ghostbusters. Okay, so, Ghostbusters. Yeah. This I... game is basically on the internet only. Uh, I believe it was printed once in the 80s, around 1986. Between the Ghostbusters films, there's no follow-up for Ghostbusters 2. Which is super sad. I know. I know. And uh, it's the rules for playing as the Ghostbusters. Or a Ghostbuster, not technically one of the main cast. Like most licensed games, it wants you to play as the Ghostbusters. It's got the whole, like, here's Peter Venkman's ID card, so you can play as Peter Venkman. This was a weird one. It's not like it's a terrible game. Like, you could play this. I could sit down and play this and not have a terrible time, but it's it's just weird. It it feels uh, a little incomplete. Honestly, it, it's very, very basic rules. It's fly-by-night. I mean, the, your character has four stats, and that's all they've got going on. They've got four stats and a weird combination of hit points and experience. Yeah, and there's no, like, skill system. There's no. just your four attributes, and each attribute has one thing that you are good at. Yep, so you've got... Let's go through them. you got muscle, you've got moves... You've got brains, and you've got cool. Yeah, so you've got these four that generally should cover things, and oddly, some stuff will cover some things, but not it's others. It's just nebulous enough that occasionally you can make an argument to cover something under one instead of the other. Like, for example, it has, uh, under muscle, it's got things like swing a weapon, but under moves, it's got swing a weapon. Just in case you were able to talk your your uh, ghost master, as the game calls him, into letting you take a uh, like a rapier or something, I don't know why you would. It's Ghostbusters. Yeah, and that that was the one of the weird things. They've got all this lists of like melee weapons. Yeah, which is I I guess it's because it's 1986 and there were only like four games and they were all Dungeons and Dragonsy and huh. it was like, well, we can't put out a game where you can't have a halberd. Well, yeah, I mean, if you put out a game and you're like, uh, the only thing you can use is a proton pack. It's the only weapon that everyone's going to be all sad because they're like, but, but I, I want to make a big buff guy that swings a sword. I have a Guizarm Vulge. <laughs> I have a Glaive Guizar. I have a Beck de Corbin. <laughs> okay, so, um, Lucerne Hammer. Okay, so, um, and then the, uh, so you got the specialties for your different stats. You've only got the four stats and one specialty and each. Yeah, each one picks what's called a talent. And, uh, and so for example, if you have a muscle stat, and they range from one to six, and you get a set number of points to put into each to build them up. So characters are, it's point by, and, uh, you say, okay, well, I'm gonna put three points in muscle and four points in moves and so on. And I, off the top of my head, I don't remember the number, but, uh, yeah. the actual Ghostbusters, uh, the, your Peters and your Egons and so on are way better, uh, because they're the actual Ghostbusters and their experience. So they're the right ones to play as, but you get to put your set number of, uh, points into your two, four stats. And then for each one, you pick a talent. So for example, if you have muscle and you pick climbing as your talent, then you can climb up stuff with an extra couple of dice. Yeah, and like Egon, he's like his brain's talent is physics. Right. So anything that has to do with physics, he gets another die. Which is crazy nebulous. And even the example they use in there is like he builds a flashlight. That's not physics, that's engineering. And yet he's managed to... <laughs> <laughs> that's... I mean, I might as well have a brains with a specialty in brains. And the, that's one of my other issues with the whole talent thing, is you look at it and, you know, say something for uh, cool. It's sort of your outside, not quite, like, moves is almost agility and muscle being kind of strength and con together. And cool is just, you're doing stuff. And cool can be things that are, like, you're good at, talking to people let's right. cover everything cool does or it can be specifically like strut 
was one yeah. of them under cool. Yeah, if you if you want to have a talent for strutting. Yeah, so either I can be good at all manner of social interaction, or I can look good when I strut. And yeah. Or the same thing in moves, where it's I can be good at driving a car or seeing. Yeah. Seeing was Seems. one of them. Yeah. I also like that uh, under cool, one of them was sniff. <laughs> And note, notably, it's under cool, so it's it's not a perception check. It's not your ability to sniff out ghosts. It's your ability to sniff dismiss- dismissively. Yeah. Or, you know, that you smell good, maybe. Maybe you're good at receiving <laughs> yeah. a sniff. Yeah. So, um, so, so they're kind of dumb. Uh, it, but but it's, honestly, it's okay, because they give you this big list, and the whole game's jokey. It's very, it tales from the floating vagabond, tune-style kind of, ha-ha, look at this, it's all, it's all a big goof. Uh, so, it, it, you know, you look through those lists of optional talents for each of your stats, and you go, oh, okay, well, what's this one? Design role-playing games. No, I don't need to take that. I'll take I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take the mm-hmm. physics one, and it's fine. And, uh, be, like we said, the, the system's very simplistic. Mm-hmm. So if you've got whatever your number is, let's say you've got four in brains, and it's something and you need to roll four brains, you have four dice, unless you have a talent for whatever the brains roll is for. So really, the talent is only giving you an extra die. So even if you three. manage to game the system... It's three extra dice. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, you get three. So, right. so for example, if you have a muscle skill of four, or a muscle uh, stat of four, and a swing axe stat of three, because <laughs> you, you have a talent for swinging axes, then you get seven dice. And uh, there's no bonus checks or anything. You're rolling against a, just a number. So, for example, the, the, the Ghost Master will tell you... Uh, to hit that guy, you need to roll at least 20, and you go, okay, well, I've got seven dice, so I'm going to roll 76 and see if I roll a 20. Yeah, and in any roll that you make, one of those dice will include the ghost dice. The ghost die, which is a d6 that has one blank face, and I think the blank face is supposed to be where the one would have been. Uh, maybe they, they... Talk about yeah. the ghost die and that there is a ghost symbol on it and if the ghost comes up, but there is no picture of it and I have to assume it came with the game. Maybe it, it must be. With... We don't we don't know. This game's all on the internet. Uh, the best my best guess is either the one or the six on the ghost die has been replaced with a ghost, and uh, and and if you roll the ghost, then if you roll the ghost die and it doesn't come up ghost. Then you just add that number to your pool, and it's not a big yeah, deal. So if you roll the, your pool of dice, and the ghost die comes up a three, then whatever, it just counts as a three. If you roll the ghost, then bad things happen, even if you otherwise overall succeed. Yeah, so if you're like, I want to drive this car, and I'm chasing after someone. Okay, well, it's pretty difficult. You roll your dice. You actually succeed. However, the ghost comes up on your ghost die. All right, well, you succeeded, but... You know, maybe someone cuts you off in traffic and your car takes some damage and you're slowed or it's, something. It's pure DM or GM fuckery uh, is what it is. It's it, it, And the book basically tells you, to just, anytime the ghost eye comes up, crazy nonsense happens to get in your character's way. <laughs> um, it, the game, to the point where you almost fail even if you succeed if a ghost die shows up. So you're looking at pretty much a one in six chance... Any roll that you take yeah, will just be bad for you. Right. So you get the one in six chance every time you roll that some goofy nonsense is going to happen to you at, at the DM's discretion. This gets compounded when you're actually ghost-busting. Now, normally, if you're doing a roll that's, again, driving, climbing, Static. talking to someone, yeah. then you're not really going to be too bad in the opposed roll. But as soon as you bring ghosts into it, ghosts also include the ghost die, but because they're ghosts, if the ghost comes up on their die, something good happens for them. And by something good happens for them, I mean something bad happens for you. So the second you start fighting ghosts, you're looking at about a one in three. Yeah, that you're just fucked anytime you roll anything. Yeah. The the, the ghost uh, die system is surprisingly adversarial because it's always bad for players and it's always good for monsters and there's no way to mess with it. The example they use is so mean. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. it's like Ray is fighting a ghost and the ghost tries to slime Ray and it misses and it rolls the ghost die. So what happens instead is it just slimes the whole hallway which means that he what would have happened to him, which is that he gets covered in slime and goes sliding around, still happens. And now he goes sliding towards the window and can't avoid it, and slides out the window. That's yeah. what happens to him. The ghost the ghost whiffs, and he still takes his damage and falls out a window. And because he, like, the way they describe it, of sliming up the hall, and then he goes flying towards the window, I go, 
That's just worse than if he had succeeded on the role without the ghost die. Yeah. You know, it, it just seems like all of the examples they have are, if the ghost shows up, make it so that whatever was going on, if they succeeded, they actually failed. And if they failed and a ghost die comes up, you should probably try and kill them. Right. So the game has one other stat, which is called brownie points. Yeah. And brownie points are basically XP and hit points and stat progression purchasing, and you can use them to buy short-term buffs. They're basically the catch-all for every kind of subsystem stat in a game. Yeah, when we talked about the Buffy the Vampire Slayer game, it had the drama point system. So if either you messed up, or you wanted to get a bonus to doing something, or you just wanted to speed the plot along and say, you know what, I'll use a drama point and say, I find what I'm looking for, something like that, uh, brownie points fill the same role. Brownie points are... I'm going to take damage, I don't want to get as messed up by this, I don't want to die from an explosion, I want to uh, increase my roll, you can use brownie points to give yourself extra dice for a roll, Yeah. but it also is your XP, so anytime you want to try and do anything in your game, you're looking at possibly just losing XP. Yeah. So, here's what you can do with XP in this game. Because it doesn't have levels, and like we mentioned before, there's no skills. So, if you have 30 brownie points that you'd like to spend, you can use them to raise one of your traits, so your muscle or your cool, by one. Uh, it does mention that this is optional, and the Ghostmaster is is well within his rights to just tell you, no, you can't do that. And That's the only thing that, go- that you can do to advance your character with brownie points. And you might think, alright, well... Okay, once I get to 30 brownie points, I'll just trade those in and get another stat. That's awesome. Except you trade them out permanently for that, which means the next session, some, you know, one of your friends is sitting on 30 brownie points and can affect rolls and do things with them and, you know, not die when his car gets slimed and he goes flying into a subway station. But you have zero. You have no brownie points, which means... You have no way of getting out of jail free when your GM, who is encouraged to be a giant douche... (laughs) So true. ...ends up fucking with you. Every single thing... Oh, my God. The thing with Winston where he falls off the building when he's chasing a ghost. (laughs) Okay, so this is great. This is an example of what brownie points can do in a game. Winston is chasing after a ghost on a rooftop. And the ghost, because it's a ghost, just flies to the next rooftop. Winston, who is quite muscly, because I guess they had to give him some kind of stats, uh, tries to jump after the ghost, but doesn't choose to spend any brownie points to boost his roll. So he just rolls five dice against a target difficulty of 20, and the average roll on that would be 15, so he's being stupid. Um, and he fails it, and he falls five stories. Now, at this point, if you've ever played a White Wolf game, you know that, that you can be all super descriptive to get stunts and get out of jail free, basically, by impro- by impressing your uh, your storyteller, your, in this case, your ghost master. So our, our Winston player, in the example, goes, Oh, well, you... He falls on a on a hanging clothesline and then onto the awning over over a nearby newsstand where he bounces through a toy store and then he lands in the hot tub of a nearby building, displacing a honeymooning couple. And and he goes, Well, you would have been taken now, that that costs you brownie points to do. Yes. The, the GM would normally say You're dead. You you fall down, uh you're gonna take like a whole lot of damage. Yeah, you can't die. The game doesn't let you die. And he'll say he'll actually do a uh, sort of a bidding thing where he'll tell you, okay, you're falling off the roof. For five brownie points, you cannot be dead. And you go, okay, but let me describe why I'm not dead. And if you sufficiently wow him, such as in Winston's example there of doing all of this crazy shenanigans and actually not hurting yourself, he can go, great, you can get two of those brownie points back. Right, it's just arbitrary. There's there's nothing really to be gained. Uh, you just tell a funny story and you see what your your Ghostmaster happens to think. In this case, the Ghostmaster, because they are heavily encouraged to fuck with you, says, well, okay, you co- it costs two less brownie points, but you spend two weeks in the hospital because the guy in the hot tub was a linebacker for the Jets. And he doesn't like that you landed in his hot tub, so he... Beats the crap out of you. Right. So Note that I will not give you any option for brownie pointing your way out of my fiat. Yeah. He just, all of a sudden, you displace the local football player and get beat up. So it's it's adversarial. It, it's cartoony. They describe, like, for example, if a bomb goes off in the Ecto-1, then you should leave the players sitting in the frame with their faces blackened with soot. Really, this is the real Ghostbusters game. Yeah, this is the cartoon version of this. Yeah. 
So, oh, speaking of which, can we talk about the art in this game briefly? Because <laughs> the art in this game is... And this Stills might, from the movie. Yeah, well, it's, oh, some of those. But here's my theory. Here's my theory about how they got the art for this game. They took a couple black and white stills from the movie, sure, but they also went to a lo- wherever they were writing in, they went to the local boardwalk, and they hired a caricature artist, and they just said, I need 30 to 40 pictures of all four members of the Ghostbusters, plus about 10 pictures each of the other three characters in the Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, the secretary, and Sigourney Weaver, and Martin Short, or whatever. The Not Martin Short, who was that guy? Yeah, yeah it's uh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, thank you. Way better, way better. Sorry, Rick Moranis. Oh, oh, poor Rick Moranis, who obviously listens to this. I know he does. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. Good, close, personal friend of the podcast. Why I can't recognize him in Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, um, so, that's what it is. It's just caricatures. Just over and over again. A bunch of big head, small body pictures of Ray Stance and Peter Venkman and, and uh, and Winston. And so, they're, they're giving the color commentary on what the book's rules oh, yeah. are. They're just Statler and Waldorfing it up. So anytime there's anything in the book, one of them's there to immediately lampshade it. So, for example, there's a sequence that describes how you're supposed to be a Ghostmaster in the game. And it says, like, Ghostmasters should be encouraged to look for the success of their party. Their, their enjoyment of the game should be derived from their ability to guide them, their players through a story. Cue uh, Winston Zedmore's big weird head <laughs> popping up to say, uh-huh. That's what, that, that's not true. Like, just, that's all he's got to say about it. Like, nope, DM, DMs are mean. Yeah, which, you know, I'd rather trust the giant-headed friend on the side than the book that yeah. will, in one paragraph, tells you, your, your GM should be nice and try and make good things happen to you. Also, here's every example of anything in this game where the GM is like, you know what? I don't like you. Uh, bad things happen to this you. This whole game is wish. <laughs> And, and it's, it's a shame because it's so simple. I mean, it, it's got four stats and a brown, and it's a hit point system, and that's all you need, and you just go and you try and catch ghosts. Oh, yeah. I mean, this could be explained to, you know, your 11 year old, 12 year old nephew and be like, hey, we can play this instantly. You, because it's point by, you don't have to worry about weird rolls, and there's no, uh, you know, merits and flaws system to try and game. It is just four things with four sub things. And then go. Yeah. I mean, I was looking over at our uh, recording screen, and I was seeing, oh, we've talked five minutes, and we've already explained every rule in the game. This is going to be a very short podcast. <laughs> and and I mean that almost completely seriously. Uh, for example, we haven't discussed uh, much else. Uh, there's damage tables for some weapons. Uh, weapons add either one to four dice, based on what type of weapon they are. And They're- even the book says you probably won't use this. Yeah. Because it yeah. doesn't work on ghosts. doesn't work on ghosts, so you, unless the ghost happens to possess something or you're fighting, I, I guess, thugs, uh, which, why are you doing that? You know that famous vigilante scene of the Ghostbusters stopping crime? There's got to be a scene in Ghostbusters where they, like, punch out a bureaucrat or something, right? I mean, I know there is. No! There's, like, a scene where... Like, they're angry at the guy from the Environmental Protection Agency, and even then, it's not like they ever throw a punch. I know. And in the second one, they, they rough up uh, that, that that little Peter McNichol guy. Yeah. yeah, they rough him up a little, because he's going all crazy. And even then, it's mostly just oozing him. Yeah, so, so there's a little tiny... I mean, they don't fight thugs. They don't fight thugs, they don't fight teamsters, they, they... They never use any weapon that isn't a proton pack, or in the second movie, the goo. Yeah, but in this, here we have basic stats for using axes and chainsaws, in case you really had to. I, you know, I'm alright with that, because there's only so many stories you can tell that are just like, oh, Slimer's here, and he's sliming. No, it'll uh, just be Ghostbusters 40k, and in the grim dark of the far future, <laughs> ghosts are busted with chain axes. Sure, I will, okay, even if you keep it in New York in the 80s, then you can still be like, alright, eventually we're gonna have to tell a story that's not about how Ray got a blowjob from a ghost. <laughs> uh, but why would you ever deviate from pure gold storytelling like that? Okay, but... Eventually, it's gonna have to be like, all right, the Ghostbusters versus Night of the Zombies. You're gonna, I mean, you're yeah, not gonna be able to tell more than two stories in this universe without getting super bored. That's why there isn't a Ghostbusters three. <laughs> yeah, and you know, even if you look to the uh, like the animated series for inspiration, most of it really was just a ghost shows up somewhere. The Ghostbusters try and do something. And Slimer probably fucks it up for everyone. Right, because he made that weird transition to good guy. Yeah, he was the mascot. He yeah. was just sort of always there. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. He was the Scrappy-Doo, if you will, of the Ghostbusters cartoon. I, I have to say, I assume he's better than Scrappy-Doo, because Scrappy-Doo is really kind of a nadir, but... <laughs> or nadir, however you say that. But, um... In the in the show, he was like a hound dog. He was just like, there's ghosts over there. I'm going to fly towards them and see if they have hot dogs for me to eat. Yeah, well, you know, he also was sort of emotive in that he'd show up and be like, I'm trying to help. And then yeah. they would be like, get out of here, Slimer. We you don't think, need you. And you, then... think that's, you think he was the Judas goat of, of uh, the real Ghostbusters? <laughs> yes, he was that just, is exactly what I think. He, he was just there to make other ghosts feel like, oh, look, they're nice to ghosts. They're not a pro... Oh, no, they're putting us in a proton pack. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Slimer was the Uncle Tom yeah. of that universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slimer just blithely leading people to their demise. Oh, yeah, no, Slimer is a total ecto-traitor. Yeah. <laughs> Sold him out. But what do you think it was? Do you think it was 30 pieces of hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was some be- beanie weenies. And <laughs> he was sold. <laughs> he goes up to Ghost Jesus and gives him a kiss. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean that was just it was just a part of that show that they. Why didn't they lock that guy up? He's a ghost. He's a menace. Get him! Oh, but it's because he's too useful. He's bait. Yeah, there you go. Oh man, I like to think that they had to visit horrible emotional torture on Slimer every night to keep him in line. Like at night, they'd hear him crying to himself. Why am I doing this? <laughs> just like show up, and it's just stance goes into his room with yeah. one of those traps and his. Shh, you keep quiet, boy. Back into the cage you go. This is all you are. <laughs> Who would have you now? <laughs> Showing him mirrors. <laughs> they got a picture of him betraying his ghost parents on videotape. And just showing it to him. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so. <laughs> there's a, speak, Speaking of monsters, this game has no rules for them. No, as, as much as it goes into... Like, you're going to be fighting ghosts, and ghosts are, of course, in the title, and you're a Ghostbuster, and you you go fight ghosts, and ghosts happen, and there's a ghost die, and ghosty ghosts. Is there is there any stats for a ghost in this? Oh, no. There are, if you go to the adventures that are that the game included, there's a couple of ghost stats. Uh, they're mostly just sort of ghosty thugs. They have, like, three stats, and it depends on what you're trying to attack them with, and uh, they have a set number of brownie points they can take before they drop. Or before they become susceptible to proton packs. Huh. Uh, or trapping, or whatever you want to call it. And they also have stats for uh, kind of a boss ghost. His name's like Grouf, and he's a dog <laughs> god of ghosts or something. You know what's weird? Why would they pick a dog god when that is like one of the very few things that was actually in the Ghostbusters? I mean, it's it's not quite the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but there were two kind of monster dogs. Yeah, well, you know, you had four things really in there that you could do. You've got Stay Puft, you've got Monster Dog, you've got Gozer, and you've got Slimer. And that's pretty much it. You also have Blowjob Librarian Ghost. I just... <laughs> the that. That the w- Librarian did not Blowjob. Those are two different oh, ghosts, they t- Are they two different sir. ghosts? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. But isn't it weird that there's a Blowjob Ghost in... in I mean, what did she, what did she die of that, that led her to be a Blowjob Ghost? Well, that was just a dream sequence, was okay? It just a, are you sure it wasn't he was... Not, I mean, he is a Ghostbuster. He did not have haunted junk that a Blowjob Ghost came around to him See, that's for. what I was wondering. Is she haunt, Is she specifically haunting his junk, or is she just a ghost of blowjobs? Yeah. I mean, she's like, she visits, you know, uh, Uncle or, or Scrooge, and she's just like... <laughs> No, man. You see, because Ray has a haunted package. <laughs> oh, because when the ladies see it, they're all, ooh. <laughs> no. See, I, I was thinking maybe she was just like the ghost of Christmas blowjobs. Dude, why am I not visited by the ghost of blowjobs past and blowjobs present? I am visited by the ghost of blowjobs past every time I close my eyes. It's the ghost of blowjobs future I really need to run into. <laughs> Oh, okay. He keeps using teeth. Ah, you get it? He's a skeleton. Ah. <laughs> Just keeps pointing at it. <laughs> Just silently pointing at your junk. <laughs> Suck it, foul spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. So, as you can tell, there's not a lot to this game. There's just not a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> so yeah, there. In the, you go to the adventures, there's some basic stats for ghosts, but there's no rules for how to make them. Mostly, you could just say that to hit them is some arbitrary number, because why not? Everything else in the game is just some arbitrary difficulty number. There's no 
rules for how to set your difficulties. There is a page of how difficult things are. There, Yeah, it gives you, like... But they're all jokes. No, but they're all examples. Yeah. But there's no... It just sort of goes, is something hard? Make it difficulty 15. Is it really hard? It's 20. Well, what does that count as? Difficulty 20 is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. you. I mean, when you look at the game and you go, okay, Egon, he has a brains of six. Like, he has the biggest brains that you're going to get in that setting. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, if you take the average of a 6d6 roll, it's 18. Now, which means he can't do really hard stuff most of the time. Uh, so it's it's interesting to me that they they do that because it really means anything that's difficult or above. If it's not your your ballywick, you should be throwing brownie points at the problem. Right, and brownie points, by the way, are refunded to you at the end of your mission based on your success rate. Yeah. So if you do an okay job, just an okay job, nothing special like happens. You, you trap the ghost, yeah, congratulations. good job. You get the amount of brownie points you spent back. Yeah, not if, not any extra things. It's just you started the game, you had 20 brownie points in a pool, you spent 10, it ends, you get 10 back. Okay. Congratulations, you are exactly where you were before. If you do the arbitrary definition of the GM's idea of a great job, you get the amount of brownie points you spent plus half that many again. So if you start with 20, then at the end of the mission you do whatever your GM thinks was a great job, you get a total of 25 now. If you fuck up your mission, even a little bit, you get half the amount you spent back, which means that you just get progressively worse because you have less brownie points to spend on problems. So you are basically teetering on the edge all the time. And what it really means to me is that every session is a race to zero brownie points before the game ends. Yeah. Because if you spend all of them and the game ends and you did okay, get all of them back. If you spent all of it and you did really good, that's the only way to get the most XP, essentially, at the end of the game. And if you super fucked it up, then you get half of your XP back. Right. If it looks like a mission's impossible, you should give up early. Yeah, just go, no, we're done. We're done, we give up. Well, you only get half your brownie points back. Oh, we didn't spend any. Yeah. Haha, fuck you. (laughs) So, uh, you know, if he's like, I'm gonna send you to the Temple of Ectoplasmic Evil, and you're gonna have to fight all of these crazy boss ghosts, and it's super hard, you go, you know what? We don't take the job. Yeah, that's good. We're fine. We'll let the real Ghostbusters handle this. You know, the cartoons. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so, um... There is a little section about motivations. There's a section that says what motivates each Ghostbuster in your oh, party. Yeah. You should choose one. And they are based around what the original six Ghostbusters... Yeah, that's right. The game says that there are six Ghostbusters. Uh, I believe they are talking about... Uh, Janine. Janine. And... Uh, I cannot remember what Rick Moranis is. That's Sigourney Weaver. Oh, is it counting Sigourney Weaver? They're not counting Rick Moranis' little... Because he actually puts on a Ghostbusters uniform at one point. Yeah, but only in the second one. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So they add Sigourney Weaver and Janine to uh, to the Ghostbusters roster. Yeah. So um, so each one of them is motivated by something, and there's rules for how your motivations interact with brownie points. So, for example, Peter Venkman is motivated by sex, and he wants sex, and his brownie points are dedicated towards sex, and he can get extra brownie points for going on dates. Yeah. And they have to be awesome dates. And if they're not, then your date is automatically, you accidentally ate your tie, and yeah. there's some of the ones, like, there's the one that is, I, my motivation is making things better for the world. Yeah. If I succeed in actually doing something that makes the world a better place, I'll get extra stuff. Which is obviously the one you should pick, because it counts any time you trap a ghost. Right. And some of them have just penalties for no reason. So those are the ones you just don't want to take. Like money, for example. If you're, if you're motivated by money... And I forget which Ghostbuster is motivated by money. I'm going to go with Winston. Uh, maybe. Seeing as how he's really just a hired gun. Yeah, it, he was it, just there for a paycheck. Yeah. So, with money, it actually says for every time your character makes $1,000, you should go ahead and give yourself a uh, brownie point. Or let the GM tell you you get a brownie point. But you could lose brownie points if you lose money. Yeah. It's the only one I could find where you lose brownie points. So it's like, <laughs> why would you ever take this? It's Yeah. It's, brownie points are already a pain in the ass in this game. And then, you know, you've got... The uh, the Egon one, which is science. science. If you further science in some way, 
Which means, while your other characters are like, I'm getting a brownie point every time we successfully do a mission because we got paid for it, or because it helped mankind, or I went on a date, you're like, I need to actually come up with something that furthers the scientific community every time in order to get a brownie point. On the other hand, if you remember your Ghostbusters, that's basically all Egon does in that movie, is stand around spouting off techno jargon that means nothing, and then writing it down. Like, he doesn't necessarily have to go off and build the discombobulator, he just needs to go, well, what if I reverse the polarities of the tachyon emission, which is Star Trekian, I know. But <laughs> Except that, it also has a roll for it. Yeah, so true. you might yeah. roll, and he'll go, nope, your experiment sucked, nothing for you. Oh, I suck. On the other hand, that's the same for all of them. You you roll to see if your date goes well. Yeah. And the descriptions of what happens if it don't are great. Which, at that point, I really don't even know why they would put that in. If it's just, I'm going to roll and randomly see if you get extra brownie points. Just make it a thing that, at the end of the game, they go, and then the GM will roll to see if you get extra brownie points. Right. Because it, 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 it anyone isn't going to go, you know what? I could say, my character went out on a date, but I don't think he did this time. I don't want to try for those brownie points. Yeah. I appreciate, having read Prime Directive, I appreciate that they don't try and shoehorn armor into this game. <laughs> There's no armor rules, so uh, you don't have your, your Ghostbusters walking around in bulletproof vests or, or uh, you know, Full chain, gear. chain mail. None of that. There's the, Your characters are wearing dumb brown jumpsuits because they're the Ghostbusters. Uh, on the other hand, that means that it's way easier to hit something than it is to avoid being hit. Yeah. They, like we had mentioned, the weapons all have like a plus one to a plus four on them for hitting things. And that's just plus dice. That's all. It's just, if you have a plus three weapon, you have plus three more dice to your roll. So even if you're, let's say you're using muscle to hit a guy and you've got a two. So you're sort of average, kind of doofy guy, but you've got a weapon that's plus three. So now you're at five dice. The guy who is trying to dodge has moves of five, which means he is super agile, like he is almost the sort of it's like an Olympic human. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I, I'm really good at getting out of the way of things. Okay, so the weak man with a weapon is going to have about as much chance of being competent as the incredibly agile good guy. Right, and if you take them both to their peak, both of them are like, I'm the peak human at hitting things, and I'm the peak human at not being hit with things. Then the peak human with hitting things has three dice on the peak human with not being hit with things. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's a minor flaw in the system, which, you know, it's kind of hard to get mad at them about a minor flaw in a system this simple. Because it's not... Uh, first of all, you shouldn't be swinging weapons at anyone anyway. You should be firing proton packs at ghosts. Yeah. And second, who gives a shit? It's... <laughs> like, if you're playing this game, you're just going to be... I can't imagine a game of this that isn't just spouting quotes from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. No, the entire time you're playing this, people are just going to be quoting different things from Ghostbusters and telling you, you know, that this is Vigo the Carpathian and yeah. making horrible, stupid references. Yeah, constantly telling other people what they should do if someone asks if they're a god. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a situation where this game wouldn't be... And, you know, that's a problem I always run into when I'm trying to visualize playing heavily licensed games. Buffy's trickier just because I'm not especially familiar with the series, so I don't feel like I would want to constantly quote Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, well, it also comes from well the difference between having something set in a show versus a movie. In yeah. a movie, you've got an hour and a half to two hours of material to work with, and so people know all of the lines and all of the scenes from that. When you're looking at like something based in Buffy or any show that at least had several seasons, then people have so much to draw from. There's, it's not like... There's more stories. Yeah, there's not really yeah. like, these are the catchphrases of this show. Yeah. But if you set something in, like, Firefly, everyone all the time will be talking about, because there were only a few episodes, those episodes. Yeah. And I've tried playing Star Wars. One or, one or more of the variants of Star Wars RPGs, because there's been a lot over the years. And that's definitely something that crops up, is people just constantly saying, use the Force, Luke, at each other, and <laughs> and uh, trying to figure out how your characters line up to the original trilogy characters. It's not, it, it, it's okay with Star Wars, because it's got such a broad base of things to draw from. Yeah, Star well, Wars is more than... the expanded universe, yeah. you can go into stuff. Yeah. Or, you know, if you, for example, want to set your storyline in the two Ewok movies. <laughs> 
Then, really, who who doesn't want to set your entire game in the shittiest possible movies? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say both those movies are leaps and bounds above uh, the holiday special, and I'm going to go ahead and say they're both better than Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair. You know what? Phantom Menace, zero Wilford Brimley. <laughs> and that's really what you're looking for. That's really, in a Star Wars film, what you want is Wilford Brimley... Or, at the very least, a little bit of B. Arthur, uh, which she's in the holiday special. So, you know, if Boss Nass had come out and been like, Diabetes! Blah, 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 that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about Liberty Mutual. Jar <laughs> Jar <George> Binks! <laughs> Not going to tolerate your shenanigans in my city. This is a Christian household. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. However... We did not get that. Nope, and we aren't even talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Ghostbusters. Uh, sadly, also bereft of Wilford Brimley. Yeah, super sad. Uh, yeah. Is there a Cocoon role-playing game, do you think? Can oh we... my god, if there's a Cocoon role-playing game, I want to play that as soon as possible. Oh, I need to see the stats for swimming around in a pool. <laughs> I want to see what the uh, table is to randomly roll what your sex drive is like now. <laughs> Because it's going to change dramatically over the course of the... Oh, that, I guess that depends on if you're playing an old guy or if you're playing the goot. <laughs> I'd like to spend my alien points on boners. <laughs> Please tell me I'm right and that movie features heavily the goot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, no. The goot is all up in that berg. Good. And he's not really a main character. He's just sort of the young guy that's observing what's happening to all the oldies who are swimming in that pool. Which, I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen Cocoon since I was, like, eight. So yeah. my recollection of Cocoon is essentially, there's a pool, there's a cocoon, there's aliens, old people fuck, and Steve Gutenberg is involved somehow. Yep. And my understanding is that the end of it features the old people having to make a choice about whether they'd like to go away with the aliens and live big, awesome, happy forever lives in, in their... their in the I, Viagra tanks vi of the yeah. space. Yeah, so they can go off and become... <laughs> Like in Dune, they're just floating in tanks of Viagra. By keeping these old people bonered up, we can navigate the spaceways. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so but so they have to. They, they all make this choice to go away forever and 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 just float in the sex tanks. And yeah. and then there is a cocoon too, in which they come back. Yeah, I well, guess they got to come back and teach. I don't know Steve Gutenberg the true meaning of Christmas. I have yeah. no idea what Cocoon Two is about. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> Because Ghostbusters has nothing to it. It's four stats. Four fucking stats. Why did we choose this game? <laughs> it's, um, we had been looking at a series of other potential horror games to do for Horrortoberfest. Uh, Beyond the Supernatural, uh, one of the Cthulhu's, like a Call of Cthulhu or a Cthulhu Tech. <laughs> but, uh, but we found this online, and it was free, because it's online, and here we are, folks. Boy, howdy, do we love free. <laughs> that is that is our number one driving goal. <laughs> is this game free? You know, oh, okay. Speaking of, let's just keep riffing, because that's fun. Uh, you know what I was hoping would fall out of the internet for me when I was building... <laughs> what, is it boobs? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's one of my favorite things on the internet, absolutely. But, uh... The problem with reading this online from West, because West End Games was pleasant enough to support this thing for free and put it on the internet so everyone can read it. Because why? Why not? Because it's not going to huh. get published again, and no yeah. one can find the book. So they're just being very nice. But I would love to have the book because I really want a piece of paper to fall out of it, <laughs> where some Spurg Lord from 1986 is explaining about how players are going to play in his campaign. But by God, there shall be no references to Ghostbusters Two. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All characters will be in line with original Ghostbusters characters. There will be no goo. This is primarily aimed at Dan. Dan, do not try to use a Nintendo controller to drive the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 was a horrible game for babies. <laughs> oh, Ghostbusters 2, the next generation. <laughs> oh, this... Eventually, it's just going to turn into a podcast where we just decry Prime Directive. <laughs> I think every, every podcast every forever podcast. is going to be where we talk about how much Prime Directive is awful. So, this game is so short that even though it's all jokes, I mean, it's just all jokes. Like, there's there's char the little caricatures on the side are just spouting jokes about the jokes that make up the actual main text. 
I mean, the main text has a sequence where it tries to explain the difficulty of skills based around a character attempting to eat a telephone. Oh yeah, no, that that was the example for the really difficult, the high-end difficulty is you're eating a phone. Yep, and uh, despite that, despite this just being a litany of nonsense jokes, not one reference to stealing, providing, or, or uh, messing with the Dungeon Master's Pizza. This has been Pizza Watch with Jeff. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, what else do we want to talk about with this one? Do you want to go over your favorite and least favorite things? And yeah, go, sure, why okay. not? Yeah, let's just do it. Uh, you know what I'm going to go ahead and say is my favorite? <laughs> Since there's only four stats, I'm going to say my favorite stat of the four stats is cool. Okay, and, and, and why is that? Uh, because it's sort of a weird catch-all. The rest of them have various things that are analogous to other stuff. And you could kind of say that cool is like the charisma of a game, but it covers everything that isn't covered in either being strong or being smart or being quick. Right. So it's the catch-all of, of, of collar popping. Yeah, which yeah. means you can actually have a character, and they, you know, like Venkman is a cool-based yeah. character in there. So, you can have someone be cool-based, and instead of it just being, I'm a character that's only good at RP things, you can try and do stuff with it. You know, maybe the the GM will be like, yeah, and then this ghost shows up, and the librarian is really spooky, and you gotta make a cool roll to not be scared by it. Right, and cool, each one of the four stats is supposed to be assigned to one of the Ghostbusters as kind of the primary archetype they have. And cool is clearly the Peter Vangman yeah. archetype. It doesn't really work because they've tried to give Winston Zed more muscle, which I don't remember him ever doing anything with in the movies. He mostly is just sort of there and commenting on things. Yes, but he's the black guy, so obviously he's, he's, he's the strong he's one. He's either going to be muscle or cool, and cool was taken. Yeah. And uh, frankly, I, I couldn't even tell you the beginning to tell you the difference between Ray Stance and Egon Spengler. I I, <laughs> I know one of them is... is uh, One's really smart, and one's really smart, and also dorky. Yeah, okay, so that's your big difference between the two of them. Neither of them seems to be represented especially well by moves. Yeah, that... I think they end up saying that moves is like Sigourney Weaver's thing because she's a musician, and moves covers being a musician. Uh, fair enough. So there you go. Alright, and your least favorite thing about the game? Uh, least favorite thing about the game is probably the the overall adversarial tone of it. Yeah. The fact that it keeps mentioning in everything, and while you, I mean, you don't have to be a dick if you're the GM and you're actually wanting to run this, the fact that every single example throughout the whole thing is just, okay, and a player tries to do something and the GM tells him to go fuck himself. Yeah. And you have to keep in mind that one of the things you can spend brownie points on is to reduce the duration of your hospital visits by one week per brownie point. That's the kind of game this is, that, that your character is going to be constantly sent to the hospital in two to three weeks. And I have trouble with that, because I don't like playing with half the party. Like, if, if I'm off in the hospital, then I'm going to be like, all right, everybody, no one's doing anything until I'm out of the hospital. Fuck you. Yeah. And, and what's the point of these dumb hospital visits? All they do is put your game on pause. And... Even if you go, all right, well, you've been hired by someone, you've got to take out this ghost. All right, uh, we've got something haunting some house, and the guy who owns the house is going to pay us X amount of dollars to get rid of it. All right, we go in, something happens, the ghost drops a chandelier on Egon, and he's in the hospital for the next two weeks. However, the job is set for, you need to do this in the next week, because he's got a dinner party coming up. So now, you're looking at, we can either fail, and everyone gets back half of the brownie points they spent, and everyone's screwed because the GM decided to drop a chandelier, or we continue on, and the guy playing Egon just sits there with his thumb up his ass. Right. Anytime that your game has a mechanic for moving a character out of play without killing them and letting them stick around, you've got a bad design. Like, uh, games that have timeout mechanics aren't, aren't fun. No, and it's not even, like, you even look at a game where it's got a stun. Like, you look at a D&D 4th Ed and uh, some monster stuns you and you're out for a round, say. Oh, it's or the even, worst. Even at the, even at the high end where it's like stun, save ends, and maybe you lose a couple rounds. That's awful. Like, it's just the worst thing to sit there and go, oh, it's your turn, but you're stunned. Okay, moving on. And you just sit there and watch everyone else play. With games with a timeout mechanic, it's... You know, you should really probably just get up and leave at that point, because 
the the game and the GM has said, yeah, you don't get to participate in the adventure, let alone just this round of combat. Why don't you go home and copy letters from a dictionary? Ah, uh, no, 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 Prime Directive, no! <laughs> and also, I, I mentioned it really briefly earlier, but this game's got the tone of Dungeons & Dragons Wish. <laughs> where where you say, all right, uh, I am going to attempt to hit that ghost. Okay, well, you rolled a ghost on your ghost die, so your hand punches through a wall, and now your hand is bleeding, and you take three brownie points of damage. Oh, okay, well, what happens next? Well, the ghost tries to punch you, and he gets a ghost di- die, but he misses, so even though he misses you, he punches down the building, and you take 20 <laughs> oops points of damage, your brownie points of damage. If a ghost master was playing this game by the rules of this game, it would be so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Adversarial tone, you're right. Yeah, and, you know, again, I don't want to say that the rules themselves force you to do that, but it really is the tone of this game. Very. Is they they assume, like we had mentioned before, a lot of the older sort of 80s games assumed that was the way the game went. Yeah. Was player versus GM, you're trying to do something, you're... Dungeon Master is trying to stop you from accomplishing And it made sense in, like, first edition D&D. Like, way back in AD&D, because it was Gygax writing dungeon puzzles for his friends, and those guys didn't really care about their characters all that much. They were mostly just solving puzzles. Well, yeah, this was... It came out of, like, war gaming and things like that. So, you know, no one's ever like, oh, you killed this marine I had on the board. I had a backstory for this guy, and now I'm sad that he's dead. Right. So that kind of thing has faded out, but there was this awkward period in the 80s where games all had this tone of like, well, the DM should be cackling from the other side of a thin cardboard sheet. <laughs> if he isn't feeling heavily morally superior, you're playing this game wrong. Yeah. So so trying to work that into a, a jokey Ghostbusters comedy-based game seems really weird. Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't get funny. I feel like it'd just be adversarial the whole time. But yeah, you try and do something, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna do this thing, and I'm throwing a pie at whatever, or I'm gonna shoot my uh, proton pack, and we're messing up this dining hall. Uh, that's fun. And we're trying to recreate scenes from the movie, and then your GM just goes, alright, well, uh, you're, you roll the ghost die, and you're trying to mess up the room, and you accidentally hit your buddy with your proton pack, and he takes a whole bunch of brownie points, and he's in the hospital, and he sits out the rest of the game. And your leg breaks. I don't know. Whatever. You've got lupus. <laughs> Damn so, you. It says right here you got lupus. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so I'm going to say my favorite thing about this game is the uh, the flexible talent mechanic, where you can just say whatever you want is your talent for each one. Like, uh, for underneath your muscle stat, you can say that your talent is anything you want. It can be uh, It can be flexing. It can be intimidation, and it doesn't have to. They have a little list in there of dorky options, but it says you can just make something up and put it in there. Yeah, they've got a list of probably about, like, I don't know, 20 something. Yeah, something in there. So you don't have to pick one. You can pick something else and play something else, and it's fine. Uh, My least favorite thing about this game, it's not finished. The combat doesn't work. There's no enemies to to, to work with. And this was a complete game. There were more than one book that came out for this game, and it, it, it's like they, they just like they just forgot to finish it. Yeah, I mean, I looked at sort of the other supplements, and instead of it being, you know, expanded rules or options for things, a lot of it was just here are different uh, like adventures that you can go on. Yeah. Oh, you know, and one of the other weird things about this game that that feels kind of mm-hmm. gamey for what it is, it the inventory system. Your ghost, oh yeah. yeah. Your Ghostbuster can carry three things. That's the way it works. Your character can carry three things, and the Ecto-1, because your party has the Ecto-1, can carry a bunch more things. So you're supposed to put a bunch of cards all over the table that have the names of things that you're carrying written on them, and then put the rest of the cards on the Ecto-1 card. So it, it all of a sudden, the game turns into a board game, and you get to the inventory. It's just like, well, <laughs> write down all the items that Ghostbusters would have. Put those cards on the Ecto-1 card. Each player take three cards from the Ecto-1 pool. If you lose a card, discard that card. And it's like, what, what happened? What? Yeah, what, when did we suddenly transition from RPG into odd card-based game? Especially in this. This game is not complicated enough to support some kind of weird card-based discard, including inventory system. Well, especially considering it's... Well, what did the like original Ghostbusters carry around? All a kinds of crap. Pack yeah. And a trap. And there you go! And a PKE meter. They had a PKE meter, and usually Egon would have a big, important book. 
And Peter Venkman probably had a big swinging cock. <laughs> I, 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 I would love if one of the players just wrote, they're like, okay, what do you have? Someone puts down a PKE meter, I've got those uh, ghost goggles and my proton pack. And then someone puts down proton pack and a trap and my big swinging dong. <laughs> and I would also love if there was some mechanics like, well, you randomly lose one of your items. Let's see. Oh, looks like the dong is gone. I'm sorry, Peter. Dong gone it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. Oh, that was an excellent pun, sir. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's wrap this sucker up. Would you play this game? I, I, uh, I'm torn on that. I, I, I might. Like, if someone really wanted to, I could, I could show up for a session. I don't feel like this would be any more complicated than play, to play than, like, Mafia. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking, is while it's not a particularly, uh, complicated or well-rounded even game, it's one of those things that if someone showed up and was like, Make a character. You would write four numbers down and go, my character is done. Let's play. Right. It, you it, In a nerdy Christmas party where there's one of those white elephant gift exchange things and you've already got that yeah. little pan of dice, now you have every tool you need to play Ghostbusters. You have a bunch of nerds and you've got a little pan of dice. Yeah, there you go. You just watch Ghostbusters and then play the game for like a half hour to an hour just dicking around. I could see that being sort of a nerdy time waster. Yeah. So, uh, that that would be the situation in which I would play this game. As, as a one-off with a bunch of nerds, anything to avoid the great Dalmudi deck making its way out again. <laughs> I, I, I don't like that game. That's Anyway, before I get a bunch of hate mail from from, uh, from our one friend who likes that game and doesn't listen to the podcast, we're safe. Uh-huh. Okay, so, um, what should we do next next time? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can make out a little, you know... <laughs> It's what the audience wants. <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the, the tension's been there the whole time. <laughs> Everyone's clamoring about that sexual tension here. I've read so many fic online. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen all the fic about the... the what do they call us again? Like, uh, it's John Jeff or Jeff John or something? It's, it's Joff. Joff. It's Joff, yeah. Yeah. Joff. Easily mistaken for some of the Game of Thrones fic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's weird how they make us into gay cats just because we there, there are cats living in the house. Oh, yeah. And there was that one where I was a lawyer and you were a surgeon. Oh, yeah. and, and there was no podcasting. It didn't come up in the slightest. <laughs> I mean, I expect a little verisimilitude in my weird gay entanglement yaoi crap, but no. Just nothing. All of a sudden, you're just a lawyer? That isn't, wasn't true to your character at all. Yeah. I object to that. Oh! oh hey! Hey! There it is. Oh, all right. It so, all comes around. It all comes Just like around. me. We'll, uh, we'll probably record, re- review something else. This will be the last episode of Horror Toberfest, so it, uh, we hope you enjoyed our spookaliciously good time. Uh, next time, we've got a variety of games in the pile that we can go into. Uh, I have begun reading the EverQuest role-playing game, the EverQuest 3.5 edition uh, RPG. We might go in and talk about that. Uh, I don't know. It's entirely possible. There's something. It's really neat. And by neat, I mean boring. It is so boring. I, <laughs> I was trying to hype it, but it, we're just going to make fun of how boring it is. We're just going to make fun of EverQuest the entire time. It's going to be. It's going to be making fun of EverQuest. Okay, so as always, thank you for tuning in and listening to System Mastery Podcast. You can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com. dot com. You can find us at systemmastery at gmail, at systemmastery on Twitter, or at our System Mastery Facebook page. All the month of October, John is putting out his Horrortoberfest reviews, 31 horror films with a review every day. Yep, I will be watching one horrible film every day this month, and you can watch along if you also hate yourself as much as I do. Because they're almost all Netflix things. Oh yeah, most of them are Netflix instants so that the audience at home can follow along. And based on the sheer success of that, I'll be launching my December Palooza program, where I do the same thing with Christmas movies all December and lose my soul somewhere around the 8th. Yeah, you know, somewhere around Christmas with the cranks, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to walk into your room and find you... Just gibbering. I was going to say find you hung, but... uh, (laughs) You can always find me hung in my room, baby. (laughs) Write a fic about that. Thank you and good night.